Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. My message today is titled Tending Your Garden. You do have your notes. If you have our app, you can do it electronically, but the notes are in the bulletin as well. It's about finding contentment in in and working the gifts God has given you. It's about tending your garden or blooming where God plants you. So, I'm going to talk about how God gifts people today. Most of us, have you ever been involved in a task that made you frustrated? Any of you ever have that? Okay, so eight of you have had that. Um, let me rephrase it. Have any of you ever worked on a project and didn't read the directions and thought you could do it? Okay. I think I got the rest of you on that or most of the rest of you. But when you, when you don't know what you're doing but you're trying to accomplish something, it can become frustrating, right? I... Uh, the, uh, the second car that I owned, we owned, was a 1976 Honda Civic. And I'm going to relate this to you. You guys, you know, ultra-compact cars are a thing today. But that was the ultra-compact before they were known as ultra-compact. Some of you aren't old enough to know this, but... That style of car was called a compact. Now, it's, it's not a compact. It's considered the next size up, and not, it just got all goofy. But we came out of the 60s when cars were the length of the pew. And so when we bought that little Honda Civic, it was small. I went from that, I had a 67 Dodge Coronet. And it was one of those cars. It was like 25 feet long. Had a trunk you could hide eight people in it. We know that it could hide eight people. No, okay. But in any case, I, I want to get to the Honda Civic. I, I, it was having some issues. Talked to the mechanic at the time, mechanic at the time, and he said, it needs a new water pump. I'm adventurous, I've done a lot, enough stuff working on a farm at the time and such, so it was a job I had to tackle. I didn't have the money to pay a mechanic and figured I could take the time and I could figure it out, right? So I parked the car, had to take a wheel off, I mean, just to change the water pump, no lie. Take, take the wheel off, you have to get in there, and I, you take a, two or three things off before you could get to the water pump because it's all crammed in this transverse mounted engine little car. And I'm telling you all of this to make a long story short, it took me six hours. Now, that's one thing, but here's what happened. We graduated from that Honda Civic 
to a 79 Honda Civic. We liked it because it was great on gas and, as I said, went from a 67 Dodge Coronet with a V8 in it. We were traveling back and forth to college, 45 miles away. Yeah, now you know the real story, why we went to a Honda Civic. And so we got the ne next one, and guess what it needed? Eventually, we had to put a, I had to put a water pump on it. But here's the deal. Because I'm a rookie at it, and this is back in the day when you had fan belts. Fan belts. Y'all remember what a fan belt is? <laughs> I know. I'm having to teach you. Here we go. Before they had automatic tensioners on your serpentine belt, you actually had to adjust the belt to the proper tension. A fact I did not know. And so on my little plastic water pump, after about 5,000 miles, I needed a new water pump. So the second time I replaced the water pump, it only took me two hours. Two hours. I was in and out. I thought I was good. But the third time, when I replaced that water pump on that 79 Honda Civic, 45 minutes. I knew what I was doing that time. I, I had taken stuff off the first time that I didn't have to take off the second time or the third time, and I, I knew where I was going, what I was doing, what I had to touch, didn't have to touch, had all the right tools in all the right places, so I wasn't frustrated. I want to encourage you today, not in mediocrity, but in the satisfaction of doing your best with God's gifts in you and through you. God never intended, nor has he called all to be apostles. So look at your neighbor right now and say, you're gifted. Did you do it? You're gifted. God distributes gifts to all of us. You're going to know that by the time I'm done today. And the reason I told you that little story about not being frustrated is when you learn how to operate in your gifts, you will not be frustrated, but you'll be satisfied because you'll do it with knowledge and understanding and the satisfaction of having God's support. Once I got to the third water pump, I knew what I was doing. I was like saying to people, hey, I'll replace your water pump on you, for you. Anyway, and so let's talk about gardening today. And the first thing you got to do is uh, figure out where to place your garden. And I'm going to take you to this passage of scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Matthew 13, verse 3 is where we begin. As you can see, I have it in the... Uh, on the overhead for you in the New Living Translation. Then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 
100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Now pay attention to this next two verses. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. In other words, they had the soil in which the seed of the gospel and the message of the gospel could be planted and grow up and do good. Now look at the next verse. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now I'm going to tie this in to another parable before we're done today from Luke. But it's the same message that you're going to see in both instances. So what is the first rule of gardening? It's deciding where to put it. The first rule of gardening is deciding where to put your garden. Is there anyone here who has a garden? Lift your hands. So there's a few of you, not, not many. In, in the Bible story, the sower must know where to sow the seed, right? That's what happens in this Bible story. I don't, there we go, finally it works. In every place where we have lived in our adult life, I had to figure out where I was going to place our garden. I enjoy gardening. It's just something that I find pleasure in. But I had to figure out where to place the garden. Now, I'm telling you this um, because everyone that does gardening finds out that there are limitations on placement. There are obstacles to placement of a garden. I'm, asking, I'm speaking to you in a parable right now, and you're going to figure that out over the course of this message, that everything I tell you about gardening has a spiritual lesson to it that I'm trusting you will pick up on as we go through the message. I'm not trying to make you all gardeners as such. But you got to wonder where the sun, where it gets the most sun on your yard. There are some of you in this place that may even have to have one of those community gardens. We have one not far from us uh, where we live off of the Jordan Creek. There's a community garden place. And people that can't garden because they live in a row home or a little tiny lot or something of that nature, they have a place where they can uh, grow vegetables, their own vegetables. So you got to figure out where to place it. Does it get enough sunlight? Because to have a good garden, you need six plus hours of sunlight for some vegetables to grow properly. So you got to figure out where it goes. But is the best place for sunlight aesthetically okay? Because if I'm honest with you, where I'd like my garden to be would be right in front of my house. So you would have to walk through my garden to get into my house because it gets a lot of sun, has a lot of southern exposure, gets like eight and a half hours of sunlight uh, and when you move into the June. 
you know, nine, ten hours of sunlight. But it's not my house only. So Pastor Amy doesn't like the idea of a garden in front of the house. So does it aesthetically fit? Do you have access to water? Can it get the proper nutrients there? And everyone that gardens has to deal with the basics first. What is your soil content? I'll come back on that one. So you start in this area. And this, this Bible story is about sowing seed. So it naturally fits. In the spiritual context, you must decide that you are going to have a garden and where you will put it. There's your point for today. You must decide you're going to have a garden. In other words, everyone is given seed. Everyone is given seed. Okay, that one I don't have for you. You're just going to have to take it from me. Everyone is given seed to sow. If that's in your notes, given is the word you're supposed to place. Somehow I missed it for the uh, uh, PowerPoint. In order to enjoy the fresh fruit of our labor... We must have a garden of ministry. You, you caught the play on words, right? In order to enjoy the fresh fruit of our labor, we must have a garden of ministry. You've got to have some place where you're giving out. And you begin by erasing the traditional idea of ministry. Everyone that does ministry is not a preacher. So erase the traditional idea of a ministry. Too often we place limitations on God or how God may use us. Because we have our expectations and God's looking for your willingness and availability. Are you willing? That's the first question to answer. Are you going to have a garden, in other words? Because God will use you, but you've got to give yourself to him got to present yourself to him. Do you know you can grow herbs in your window at your house? Did I say that out loud? I was <laughs> she does know this. But we don't have to grow them in the window at our house. We can, though. I, I'm saying that erase your traditional idea of ministry. Because every ministry is important. Really, everything from driving the vans, working in the nursery. There's somebody in the nursery right now. In fact, there's somebody with probably 20 kids downstairs. There's several bodies. <laughs> with 20 or more kids downstairs ministering to those kids so you can sit here in quietness and peace. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, is your portion. Because somebody is willing to serve your children or grandchildren. So 
all parts of this mechanism or this garden. It's necessary that everybody has a garden, a spiritual garden to tend to. Because every one of you have gifts. Every one of you are capable of being used by the Lord. But in order for you to grow spiritually, you have to, you must have an outlet of ministry. You're not going to grow if you don't have an outlet of ministry. Once you become a stable part of the ministry life here at Central Assembly, we want you to help you find a place to bloom. Really. But even if you transfer from another church, you come to us from a, uh, a previous life of ministry and some other operation, give us three months to get to know you first. So you can tie into us. So you get under an understanding of our vision. You know, when you hear Minister Emily stand up here and talk about SOS, Super Outreach Saturday, that you actually become a part of that. But, and you know it's tied into our lifeblood. We're going after soul's heart at this church. We're not sitting back. And okay, I know it's COVID period still and people are still out. If they wander around, they have masks on and stuff. It's still, I still find this weird to see someone in their car with a mask on. I'm going to say it online. That is wacko off the wall will not make sense to this preacher. What is in your car that makes you think you need to wear a mask that COVID could jump inside your car? I'm sorry, that was off track. I'm okay with you. You want to wear your mask here in the church? Do it, please. Please. I'm good with that. I even put mine on when y'all come around walking by me with the offering and such. I'm good with that. I'm okay. I don't want people, that becoming a thing. The kingdom of God is big enough for all of us. But once you become a part of the church life here, Give us a few months to get, get to know our vision. Get to know what we got going on here. If you're fresh, new in the Lord, you need, you need like six months or so. You need to get yourself established in the kingdom and walking with Jesus. And, and, and because, listen, we must decide, excuse me, where we will express our gifts in order to grow them. We must decide where we will express our gifts in order to um, grow them. It takes time and willingness to become a good gardener. You know that, right? And I, I, I'm a better gardener than I was when I started doing this. I know things that work, things that don't work. But do you know this? People have gardens in Alaska. Remember when I told you earlier, everyone has a gift? People grow gardens in Alaska. They only have like a month of what we call spring. But they grow 
gardens. I see, I watch those shows, people. I'm into those shows. <laughs> Pastor Amy, she has a show she watches that drives me nuts. That's the one I watch that drives her nuts. I won't talk about hers. I'll just talk about mine. Because I just like watching how these people do it. They, they know, they're survivalists, man. They know how to make it work in an environment that's not conducive. By your imagination and in your head, you're thinking, how do they grow gardens? What is it? You know, they have a, a month of 55 degrees. You know, maybe it hits 90 on rare occasions. They're wearing actual T-shirts. Why even own a T-shirt in Alaska is what you're thinking. But they put up the plexiglass building and they plant their seed in the soil in Alaska because it's warm enough inside to do the gardening. And they grow specific items that grow well in a cooler environment. But it still needs the basics. Why did I say that? You still need the basics. You still need the basics. So you're six months in the Lord. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost yet? Because if you're not, if you're going to start gardening, and we need you to become a gardener. We need that. As a church, we need you to become a gardener. We need you to get busy building up your spiritual being so that you can do the work of spiritual gardening. How do you decide where to sow your seed or get planted? How do you do that? Well, if you're uh, young in the Lord, again, start with the basics. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Y'all could have said more amens than that. I'm going to have to come down here. Maybe I'll preach over on this side. Maybe of you more of you Pentecostals. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost, he'll make your seed grow. Right? He's, he's the one that makes it so that I, I'll preach to you guys too. I hadn't forgotten y'all. But you're going to have to give me a few more amens if I'm going to preach to you like this. Look, look. The Holy Ghost... Even Pastor Amy get on fire here in a minute. <laughs> She's ready to start gardening. I got some stuff. Yeah. You, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and he'll show you where your seed needs to be planted. He'll show you what gifts you have and how they can be expressed and have their greatest value. Say it this way. He's the water and the fertilizer that'll make your spiritual garden grow. So build the foundation. Get the soil right. Today's, uh, in today's life, you can take a sample of your soil. There's hardware stores and places you can take a sample of your soil, give, them, give it to them, they'll have it tested and tell you exactly what you need and they'll sell you exactly what you need to make your garden grow well. That's why they test it for you. The Holy Ghost is better than the hardware store. 
what gifts or skills do you already have? Can you build off of them? Are you good with kids? Are you okay with kids and just wouldn't smack them whenever they did something wrong? That's something that you'll learn in our Reducing the Risk program. We don't want our parents bringing their kids thinking they're running a risk. What you do in your home, your business. What we do here, it's our business and the law. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to learn to do? If you have the fortitude to go through a time of training, because there are some things you need to be trained for. I told you the whole story on the water pump. You give me a 1979 Honda Civic, and I can still change the water pump in it. I, I don't want you to bring me your 79 Honda Civic. I didn't really mean that. That was just preacher talk. But the point is, we'll help you learn how to do what you need to do, but you got to come willing. you got to have a garden. Are you willing to be a gardener? Look at what the Word says here. God is happy to give more to those who give out of what they have. Here's the passage of Scripture to accompany that. Luke 19, 26 says, Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. That's harsh, isn't it? It's the principle, though, that operates in the church. It really operates. I know this because I've walked it out. I've seen it in my life and walk with the Lord. Let me get you to the second main point today, and I'll try to come back around to that point. Here you go. Determining to work your garden. I'm going to take a nice long sip of my warm tea. Honey, lemon, works just right. I had a cold this week. Actually, I just had sinus infection. Otherwise, I'm good. And I got tested for COVID. I'm clear. Just so all of y'all know, I'm still clear. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Free hugs after church. It's still safe. After he was crowned king... He returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king explained, or exclaimed. You are a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be a governor of ten cities as your reward. So look what happens, all right? I'm going to relate it to the previous story, scattering seed. Same 
object lesson, just our different object lesson, but the same point. So the seed is scattered by one person and it's multiplying, double over. And he's given a minimal amount, 10 in this case, it represents money. So he's given a portion of 10 and from that portion of 10, he multiplies it or doubles it. And you know what the king says? Your reward is now you will be the governor of 10 cities. So he gave him a little money. Because the servant did well with that little money, he gets a huge return on his investment. Now he gets to govern 10 cities. So you may have thought you did well with that little bit of money I gave you, but now you are going to be wealthy because you gave me from the portion that I gave you. Okay, now you're, now you're catching this, right? So God gifts you and God expects you from what he gifts you to use it for his kingdom. I could conclude right now and you get the message. I'm not doing that, but you get the point. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Remember the day when you got interest on your money in the bank? Y'all remember those days? Yes, you have to be like 50 years old to remember that. Yeah, okay. Then turning on to the others, you, you do realize, yeah, they say that you get interest on it, but it's like 0 0.00375. I made 14 cent on my checking account last year. Hallelujah. Then turning to the others, standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. I know that sounds harsh, but it's a spiritual principle you need to catch or understand. So the first thing that we notice in this is that he says, put this money to work. That's what he tells them. He says, did you put my money to work? I gave you something. Did you, excuse me, did you put it to work? There's a, clear expectation that you will work for your master. There's a clear expectation that you will work for the Lord. You need to find some place to grow your spiritual garden. Now again, if you work with us, we'll give you some tools to work with. We won't just put you out there and say, hey, 
check out these kids in this room. There's only 45 of them. You should be good. We won't do that to you. No, we'll help you. But you got to give us the opportunity. And you do the same essentially with the Lord. You say, Lord, here I am. Use me. If you have no garden, you'll have no vegetables to enjoy. So all of you who did not raise your hand, sure, go to the farmer's market. Pay somebody for their hard labor. But there's nothing to me like going out back of my house, picking off a, a, a nice big ripe tomato and enjoying that with my meal. Nothing. Doesn't compare. And you can buy all the good stuff you want from the best gardener in the area. It won't top what mine tastes like. Because I'm eating it when it's ripe. I'm pulling it the day it should be pulled. For you to get theirs, they have to pull it before it's really ripe. If you don't have a place to express the fruit of your ministry, you will stagnate. I said this in the early service. I'll say it again. I told you I'd come back around to it, but here's the thing. Barna Research Group has done a survey years ago, and they told all of us who do church ministry and work the results of that survey. And it goes something like this. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work of the church 100% of the time. Did you catch that? So in other words, people who are busy, who are active, who are working for the Lord, keep doing more work. Because they're natured that way. And you know what? It fits this scripture. God keeps pouring more gifts into them because they're willing to use what they have. But if you don't use them, you take what you have and give it to some person that's already got 10 cities. You give it to them because he knows he can trust them to actually do something with what they've been given. Are you doing something with what God has gifted you? Are you utilizing the gifts God has given you? All right, so the first thing he says, did you do anything with what I gave you? The second thing he says is, notice this, um, that this king upon his return sends for his servants to find out what they had gained with his money. Not just did they get it, but what had they gained from it. Clearly, God expects us to use the gifts he's given us. Amen? He expects you to use what he's given you. I want you to hear this next statement. God thinks enough of you to have entrusted you with gifts to use for his good. He thinks you're important. Look at your neighbor and sit, tell him, God thinks you're important. You can say, I do too. In other words, God's entrusted something to you that should imply by the very fact that he has given gifts. To, he gives gifts to everyone. 
Everyone, I, I'll give you that scripture in a little while. But he, he, he gives gifts to everyone. And he's entrusted these things to you to use for his kingdom. See, God expects each of us to work. God expects each of us to work. And thirdly, notice that the king rewards each man according to the way he used his money. He rewards each man according to the way that man used what he, the king, had given him. God does that. Clearly, he expects us to do something. Every man did not receive the same amount of money, but each was expected to make it work. Still with me? Every man was, didn't receive the same amount of money, but what he did receive, the king expected him to put it to work. It's the same thing with you. This could be the pivotal point in today's message. So hear it again when I say it. Each of us are gifted by God and so expected to use that gift or gifts for his glory and honor, however great or small they may be. Each of us. And here's the deal. God only expects and intends for you to bloom where he has planted you. God only intends for you to bloom where he has planted you. Our trouble is when we try to copy someone else or clone the pattern God has given them. Everybody can't be Pastor Mackay. Everybody can't play the guitar. But God grew her in that gift, by the way. She was, she was good when I first heard her. She was good. I'm being kind. But God grew her. She had to put herself in the position so God could grow her. She had to be willing. And you know what she first started doing here at this church? She was still at Valley Forge College, and she traveled over on Wednesday nights to work with the youth group. Well, yes, predating that, her first job was folding bulletins. What were you, like 13 at the time? She got a paycheck for it, too. I mean, this church was up, it was up and coming, man. They were working that thing. We don't give money to people who fold bulletins today. So. <laughs> you can't clone yourself after someone else. Let God make you who God wants you to be. Let him create in you what he wants in you. The manifestation of our gifts will differ by personality and placement. You see, 
you're not going to do what, what I can do. I can't even imagine when I was 16 what's happening right now. When God said, I want you in full-time ministry, I didn't see this. I didn't see this. But I was willing, and God knew that. And I uh, had a good preacher that said, okay then, go to Bible college. And then God confirmed it shortly thereafter. I want to take you to this passage in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 4 is where we begin. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. The same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I told you I'd get to the verse, right? A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Now verse 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So let me bring this to a close this morning. Delighting in your garden. Find your delight in doing what God wants you to do. I had to explain this in the earlier service. Maybe you guys are a little more educated. That's not true. It can't be possible, but I, I don't want to make the earlier crowd feel less. But how many of you, of you in this place have ever heard the cliché it may be a southern thing so that I may be putting you on the spot. But I was told this when I was young. Dance with the one who brung you. How many of you have ever heard that phrase? You guys did in the first service. Uh, dance with the one who brung you. So here's the, here's the interpretation for all of you to be on board now. And those of you watching online that aren't as old as I am and haven't traveled where I've traveled, it just simply means that when someone brings you to a dance, you spend the night dancing with them. Yeah. Don't, don't go looking in somebody else's direction. I got you, James. Are you over there, bro? I, I brought you the corsage, I brought you to the dance, you spend the night with me, like it or not. There may be somebody prettier, there may be somebody that dances better, but you're with me. Now why did I bother to tell you that little cute story that may be not so cute to some of you? Because you've been left standing. <laughs> now, that's, that's bad. That's bad. That hurts. That hurts in the heart, doesn't it? <laughs> because if you're always looking at somebody else's gifts, you're not going to see what God is doing in you. God didn't design you to preach like I'm preaching or to strum a guitar like Pastor Mackay can strum a gu guitar. 
and work with youth. Or, you know, like Robert. I mean, Robert. He's like got 14 gifts. And everybody is not, li not like Minister Albino. But everybody doesn't need to be like Minister Albino. Because for you to enjoy this service at this time now, somebody has to work with the kids. Somebody has to be in the nursery. Somebody has to be driving a van to even bring some of you to the building. And all of it is important. I told a story in the early service, and I'll make this quicker now. This morning when I arrived to the service, we had prayer at, to start. As soon as we were done with prayer at, at around 8.30, now mind you, we have half an hour before the service starts. And someone came to me and said, Pastor, do you have AA batteries? Double-A batteries. And I'm looking at them going, we're a church with a $700,000 a year budget. Do I need to provide you batteries? That's what I'm thinking. I didn't say that because it's somebody I love. It's asking the question. And they needed batteries, and they didn't know where they were. And we end up taking, it takes, I have to go around, I'm looking for batteries, Pastor McKay's looking for batteries, we're all looking for these AA batteries, which we knew had been ordered, because we knew we were going out of them, and so we asked for them to be ordered, and they have arrived. They are somewhere in this building. Ultimately, it'll be discovered where the AA batteries are. And I'm telling you all of this, again, not to point out people's deficiencies. I'm telling you, though, that it took time from me. I had to go to my office and find my stash of AA batteries, which I keep because I don't want to be in that spot. And just... $5 worth of AA batteries could have solved this dilemma. And I'm telling you all of that, all this to say, see how important that was? It distracted this preacher who has to, con I have to concern myself with a thousand plus people who call this church their church. I had to tie up my time. Instead of praying and prepping for the service, I'm trying to look for batteries. Small thing but important for the service because otherwise we got people trying to sing that can't sing because they don't have a mic. And yeah, they could have run to the store and there are stores open still now and we could have got the batteries, but, and that's not the point. We have the batteries. The point is, small thing, important to the task. Each of you have a role to fulfill. Maybe you're the AA batteries. Power, packed, small package. Can't have the service without the AA batteries. We can have $50,000 worth of lights. We can have $100,000 worth of air conditioning. 
$5 worth of batteries, we can't have a service. You still with me? You get the point now. So here, just because your gift doesn't look like someone else's does not mean yours is bad or theirs is better. We need your gifts. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're double A. You can say, you're triple A. I'm a nine volt. Got you. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. They're all important. They're part of the body. Your gifts, your ministry is important even if it's not visible. If no one ever knows what you really do, Listen, you would not be hearing the story about the batteries if the batteries had been here. You understand my point? And again, I'm not trying to make somebody else feel bad. The only thing is, something small became important. And that's why it works in today's message. Batteries are important. The gift isn't the thing, it's you. See, God's just looking for you. He, he's the Holy Ghost. He can give you what you need. He just needs you to say, here I am, Lord, because it's all on him. I about to wrap this up. You're the gift, and God is the gift giver. Just put your life in his hands. Watch him do what he can he alone can do. And my final point today. Just as the garden takes many elements to be productive, the kingdom requires many elements to be productive. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 12, verses 22 and 3 say. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Some things happen in the background nobody ever notices. This stuff was done, nobody was watching. We know who they are, and we rely on them to make this look fabulous. And they do what they do, they're gifted. They're gifted people that make this look this beautiful. I don't have an eye for that. I couldn't do it if I tried. But it's not my role. I'm not gifted that way. The obvious here is that all parts are necessary. All parts are necessary. In our opening scripture, the only displeasure was when the man with the gift, one gift did nothing. Because he did nothing. King never gave him the responsibility to do with what he gave the one that had ten or five. He only gave him one. Because he did nothing, he ended up losing the one. Don't put yourself in that position. But I need to get to say this before we're done today. You'll never be truly content in your garden 
as long as you compare it to a professional garden. I can't decorate like that. I've not been trained. This was the work of a professional. I think you all can see that, right? You're not expected to do that. I can cook, but I'm not Emerald Lagasse. I like to put the bam in my food, and I do it regularly. I did it just yesterday. But I'm not Emerald. As long as I'm looking at him trying to be him, I'm not able to do what I can do. I can cook good enough to make my family really happy. And a few of you others, some of you try to redecorate your homes like you were Chip and Joanna Gaines. And she has an amazing eye. She can make what I always thought was junk look amazing. And I'm always amazed when I watch her programs or their programs. If you will put yourself in God's hands, he will do what Joanna Gaines can do with what you may consider junk. He can turn what you may consider worthless junk into an amazingly professional appearance or action. Like Emerald Lagasse can take a plain old spaghetti dish and turn it into something amazing. So what am I saying to you? Just get planted and bloom there. Let God raise you up to who he wants you to be. And when you become who God wants you to be, all of us will look at you in marvel and say, thank you, Jesus, for this. Just like the parents who walk out of here today, they may never look at you and say it, but trust me, and you need to say it on occasion. When you pick up your nasty child from that nursery, to look that person in the eye and say God bless you I love you I couldn't enjoy church without you your little knot head downstairs you need to wrap your arms around you COVID or not big old thank you so much because you know how your child is Stand to your feet, please. Run in your gifts. Bloom where you're planted. Watch God do what God only can do. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I've taken you long today with this message. I trust that I've gotten the truth through to you and, and you understand it. But with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, are you willing to say, Lord, I want to offer myself up on a new level with you. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not even going to call you forward on this one. But you would at least put your hand up and say, I'm going to let God use me. Come on, lift your hand up if that's you. I want to let God use me. You want God to multiply gifts in you. Thank you. God bless you all over the place. Father, you see those hands. And God, you're the only one that can hold them accountable. I won't remember who raised their hand as soon as we're done.
but you do know who did it, and you know their hearts. And so I pray, Holy Ghost, track them down, chase them down, find a way, and use them for your kingdom and your glory, Lord. Multiply gifts in them over and over and over again. This I pray in your precious and powerful name. Amen. I love you folks. God bless you. Have an amazing day. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.